Salut tout le monde et bienvenue episode de Terror Table. Fuck. I'm so sorry. What's up everyone and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Uh, today we are kicking off our world horror series in which we'll be discussing my film pick of the week, Pascal Lujuer's French extremist film Martyrs from 2008, which explains my very poor attempt at speaking French in the intro. Shouts out to my boy Seb who tried to help me with that, but I am hopeless. That was uh, safe to say that was a huge swing and a miss. Um, but going on from this, I just wanted to let everyone know that we offer up a spoiler warning in the main feature for this episode, so if you haven't seen Martyrs before, you can hear our spoiler-free thoughts, and then you can pause the episode if you decide to go out and check it out for yourself. It is currently streaming on Shudder, and uh, we will be back next week to continue our World Horror Series with Kyle's pick, which will be The Skin I Live In, and then the following week we'll be discussing Boozy's pick, uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. I'm also going to be recording a bonus episode uh, for you guys with a friend of the show, another co-host of another great horror podcast, our friend David Hopkins from Erie International is going to be coming on to discuss The Last of Us Part 2 with me. So this is going to be the first time we do an entire episode on a video game. It will just be a bonus episode, so uh, we don't know when it's going to drop, but it will be within the next three weeks. So if you're planning on picking that game up, I'm recording this right now on June 15th. So it's only a few days away until we can all get our hands on the game ourselves. Uh, but this will give people time to play the game for themselves, uh, hopefully get through it, and then you can listen to us talk about it and nerd out as hard as we can. Don't forget to check out our new website at www.theterratable.com where you can check out all of our older episodes or any more information on us. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Terror Table. And uh, I think that's everything for the week. Pretty slow week. Uh, so yeah, without further ado, enjoy this week's episode of The Terror Table, where we talk about martyrs. What up, fellas? Fellas, 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 fellas! What up, hips? <laughs> We got Hello? Mitch here. I got my boys with me. Hello, Mitch. This is your boy, Kyle. <laughs> uh, this is Boozy checking in. How have oh, you guys so been? Can can we do like? Can you do the next intro with like your Tim Armstrong voice? Uh, oh fuck! I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> we'll save it for next time. Save it for next yeah, time. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll work yeah, on yeah. it. I'll work on it. Okay, I'll work request. on it. Yeah. So we're kicking off our world horror series. Oh, exciting! This is very exciting. We're, and we're uh, embracing new culture. Yeah, this is something that's long overdue. We, of course, we've covered uh, foreign films on the podcast before, but we haven't done a like definitive series on specifically foreign films before. Uh, and uh, I wanted to lead off this series with my picks, since we always go with your guys' picks first. So I figured we'd kick off with mine this time, which is Martyrs, which I'm sure people already heard in the intro. Right. <laughs> this is so to reaffirm if they skip yeah. the intro. Well, yeah, this is exactly. a great idea, though. I mean, I think, generally speaking, it's exciting to cover more, like, uh, foreign horror on the show. It's probably something that should happen more often anyways. Absolutely. Um, well, we always just want to always just want to cover interesting movies in one way or another. And if we're not going to just follow up a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise with another franchise or do something very similar, we like to split things up and uh, mix things up a little bit. And there's no sequel to Stay Alive. So, I mean, where <laughs> is there to go? So... Let's get into it. What have you guys been up to this week? It's been uh, a little while since we've recorded. 
Yeah, this is nice. It's, it's actually been, been one since... week since you looked at me. Uh, yeah. Don't you fucking dare. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> China, it's the Chinese chicken. It's been a while since the three of us have been together, and this is this is lovely. Do you want me to go first with what I've been up to? Yeah, let's hear it. What you got? All right. Well, I watched a film that is that's been long overdue that I've been looking forward to for I guess probably since the beginning of our Nightmare on Elm Street franchise retrospective, which is God, was that like two months ago now? That's a, it's been a while. Yep. And both of you guys have seen it already. Uh, so I'll try not to um, say what you guys have already said about it. But yeah, don't ruin I, it for us. I finally watched Blood Quantum. Oh, hell yeah. Hey. Jeff Barnaby's Blood Quantum. Yeah, and I know, I know, Mitch, like, this is obviously a film that I think you enjoyed right off the bat, but has grown on you since. If, yeah. If not, I don't know. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but. So um, far, as of right now, it's, it's my favorite horror movie I've seen in 2020. There you go. So that's if that's not high praise, I don't know what is. Uh, and yeah, actually, and really he's enjoy- seen Brahms the boy too. Yeah, I've <laughs> seen Brahms. Clarify. I think we we none of us really you don't really see that movie. You kind of you know you live through it. Yeah. Uh, you transcend Brahms. Um, I I'm happy to report that this movie is far better than Brahms the boy too. <laughs> Believe it or not. Uh, is that our new rating system? <laughs> honestly, <laughs> like, it's not much of a rating system because, like, literally, like, any limp dick is better than Brahms the Boy 2. <laughs> Brahms so. the Boy 2 is, like, our new, uh, what was the, Bye Bye Man was the one that we ripped on for the first hundred episodes. Yeah. Man, Bye Bye Man is still that. worse than that. I don't I would know. watch. I, just, I would watch Bye Bye Man over Brahms yeah, for sure because it's more, more fun. Yeah. Fuck you two guys. <laughs> Go watch fucking Slenderman. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. I'll, no, I'll get there. Again. Uh, yeah, no, I, I really, really liked this movie. I had pretty high hopes going into it, to be completely honest. Like, just the premise alone and, like, the high praise that well, both of you and, I guess, specifically Mitch kind of gave it. I was pretty excited to check it out myself. And it lived up to my expectations for the most part. Like, it had a really solid cast. Like, I obviously, I knew that uh, Michael Grey Eyes was in it. The Shout out, Skatchewan, Skatchewan boy. But it also has uh, Olivia Screven, who, of course, is from Degrassi, The Next Generation. So that was nice to see. Uh, she Shout plays Degrassi. She plays uh, the I forget her name right now, but she plays the ac- actress. She's like a, she's pregnant throughout the film. She's, she's a teenager about to have a child. She's, of course, a, De- a Degrassi alumni. So that's respect. Uh, but, then, but then there is also Ky- Kiwa Gordon. He plays Lysol in the film. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. from the Twilight films, which We'll talk about later, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, anyways, anyways, the, the cast was actually really, really solid. But specifically, in my opinion, Michael Greyeyes might give, like, one of his best performances I think I've seen him in. Like, he really kills it in this film, in my opinion. He holds it down really, really well as, um, I don't know, as, like, a father figure, obviously, but also as, like, a role model for, um, you know, a lot of the people in the film. And, like, specifically the first 30 minutes of this movie are just so tight. Like, it's, like, really, really well executed. It almost, That's what I was talking about. Yeah, like, it, 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 it was almost so kind of, good. It almost kind of feels like a short, in a way. Like, it almost could, like, as if, like, that was, like, I don't even know, maybe, like, a proof of concept. Like, something yeah, that maybe... Yeah, that's 100% was, what I was thinking about. Yeah, like... I don't. I like. I actually have no idea if this is true or not. It probably isn't. But it almost felt like that was maybe something that uh, Michael, uh, sorry, Jeff Barnaby was um, like shopping out. Like maybe he had that like mm-hmm. plot or that short based for Blood Quantum, and he was just kind of working on the the film from there. Anyways, that being said, I do think the rest of the film is really really good. But I there was so much build up in that first thirty minutes that I did feel like 
kind of dwindles only a little bit throughout the second and third act. Although I think it really picks up in the third act. It'd be my only real gripe with the film, but all in all, I think sort of just to reiterate what you've said in the past, Mitch, like it's a really, really interesting take on the zombie genre and kind of like cements itself in a really special place. I mean, this is, this is just proof that we basically need more films with more original voices, unique voices and different perspectives Mm -hmm. that we don't, we just don't get enough of. Um, and like especially that is definitely- when you see the talent that he's capable of, like th- especially after watching this and then Rhymes for Young Ghouls, like how I hadn't seen oh. that before. Those are that's just two fucking incredible films. I mean, yeah, at this point, I mean, he's just been getting better and better. I think this film is about is about as good as Rhymes for Young Ghouls, in my opinion. I don't know if I would. They're very different. I don't know if I could decide which one I prefer, to be completely honest. But I really like both of them, and it. Yeah, and they're very different, right? So it's a testament to him as a filmmaker. From what it sounds like, a lot of people were taken out at like how it goes into like an apocalyptic, apocalyptic future type way. Uh, is that is that kind of what was pulling you out from it as well? How do because I, put- I I liked I liked that whole environment. I was basically on board the whole the whole way. But uh, I think to be honest, I think the pacing of the. F- second and third acts was just a little bit muddled i didn't really have a problem with uh the story taking that kind of direction actually i mean it to me it just kind of added a level of you no know, entertainment to the setting like the film has is kind of is really funny at parts like surprisingly yeah. hilarious at times and incredibly brutal and incredibly brutal and really bleak intense at other times so i don't know a setting like that the setting didn't really or the the shift the, the shift that the film takes didn't really bother me i think it was just more the film is really, really slow at parts. And I think I really enjoyed when it took its time to be slow and kind of yeah. like work with the characters in a lot of ways. And then there were some moments where it became an action film, which is not really a bad thing, but I felt like maybe those moments could have been kind of put together a little bit tighter in the second mm-hmm. and third act. It really didn't have anything to do with the setting for me. So I do think, though, if I were to watch this movie again, I would maybe, you know, um, have an easier time latching onto those elements. But I need to reiterate, though, that I don't think... Like, while I'm praising this film to be something that, you know, we don't get enough of, and I do stand by that, I'm not trying to, like, tokenize the film. I think at the same time, the movie is just really good and stands on its own. And it's just a fact that, uh, you know, this is what people say when we say we need more representation in film, we need more representation in horror. This is a perfect example of that because these these are talent. This is a talented filmmaker that is finally getting his dues, and it's well-deserved. And, um... We need to, we just need more of this. I mean, zombies are the oldest fucking trick in the book. We've all said that for years and years. And it you know, it, it takes a Canadian boy to tell an indigenous story through zombies to make it fresh. And I think that's what's really important here. And totally I don't agree. know, it's super smart to make a like a you know, a play or a comparison between, you know, zombies literally infecting a reservation to colonialism. Like that's really ingenious, to be honest. It is, and, but do you think that like basically the metaphor is basically start and end there with uh, the whole uh, white people are the only ones who are being infected with the uh, zombie outbreak? Because I feel like there's so much more that's being said there as well um, about like treaties and and. Oh, uh, sure. I think there's a lot you could definitely digest. I mean, there's definitely um, I'm sure there's like layers and layers of this shit that you could you could lo- really look into. But I think I think all in all, I took it as sort of like a, a colonialism story. Absolutely, like mm-hmm. especially actually when the film gets into you know the apocalyptic sort of setting, where it's uh, all these characters and all these indigenous people, uh, you know, thriving and making do with with who they are as people, and how essentially it's the white man that comes in really. Um, well, infects their way of being. There's definitely more to the film than just that, but I think that is kind of the backbone of what's happening here. I, I knew I was going to enjoy it. 
to be honest, based on like your guys' recommendations. I, I wasn't expecting to hate this film, but there was a lot of things that really blew me away. Um, and if you haven't seen it yet, I think we've mentioned before, it's on Shudder and Crave if you're in Canada. So please, please go watch Blood Quantum. Support a Canadian homie. That's, about, that's what I saw this well, week. Well, damn, Kyle. Tell us how you really feel. I was really excited <laughs> to watch this because I had been meaning to see it. Like, And I... Yeah. I like wanted to watch it literally like the next day after was it Scott that first told us about it? I think yeah, it was... but you just couldn't find a DVD copy. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't exist. I couldn't find a DVD copy. Um, I even emailed Jeff Barnaby to see if he had like a laser disc, but did you I check for like out. a local Redbox? Yo, shout out Redbox. <laughs> Yo, on the low, Redbox was kind of fire. I never saw anyone put money anywhere near to those fucking things. Yeah, I watched I watched a Redbox entertainment movie that I'm going to talk about today. I don't know if that has anything to do with like the actual Redboxes, but it it said in the the uh, in the titles that uh, it was produced by Redbox, which is shout out crazy. Redbox. Can, no idea if they're connected. Redbox is actually sick for video games, though. To be honest, get it for a week for like two dollars, it's over. Oh yeah, that's three for three of all three of us uh, really enjoy Blood Quantum. Yeah, I think I think um, it's definitely up there for sure in terms of horror for the year for me as well. Cool. Uh, Boozy, do you want to go next or do you want me to go? Uh, you know what? You can go. Okay, I'm going to hammer off one quick. It'll be a small one because I got a lot to talk about today, but this one I'm going to just be brief about. Uh, I bought the re- remaster of a video game. Do you guys remember Medieval? Of course. Yeah. No, I, Sir, I have no idea. Skeletons. Sir Daniel Fortescue. Sir Daniel Fortescue. What in the fuck are you guys talking about? Do I have to leave it call again? I guarantee, <laughs> I guarantee I guarantee you know what medieval is if you look it up, Boozy. But it's a, uh it's a PS1 game, right? Yeah, it came out originally on the PlayStation One and there's a bunch oh, of sequels so to Kyle it. Kyle played it at other people's houses. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Come on, I've already I, showed you my copy of Gex Enter the Gecko. You know I yeah. have a PS1. That's but that's it, respect. It was a game that was put out by Sony, and uh, so it was a Sony exclusive. I had this game on uh, my PSP. It was one of my first PSP games. I fucking remember this game. Hell yeah. And it's on for $10 right now on the PlayStation Network. Or I think it's $16. Yeah, $16.99 is how much I paid for it. Um, But it came out last year. I've been wanting to play it, but I didn't want to spend the $49. I think it was $49 or $59. And I was like, there's no way that game is worth that much money. Um, So I waited for it to go down. Perfect price is $17. So I picked it up. Major nostalgic throwback to one of my favorite childhood games. I had so much fun playing this game as a kid. I love the character designs. I love the aesthetic and the level construction. It's a little bit Nightmare Before Christmas, a little bit Paranorman. uh, But basically, this game is just, it's incredibly frustrating. Uh, I only got, I think, I'm just under halfway through it. And I've basically given up now. Um, I might go back to it at some point, but I wanted to mention this because... uh, Just down the difficulty. You can do this. You can't. No, you can't. Not on this. And that's the problem with it. Is that, like, it's back in... I have so much faith in you. Remember back in the day when you had, if you didn't clear a level, like if you die a certain amount of times, you have to start right back at the beginning. God, those days need to be left in the past. Like we, it was way too frustrating getting to the, like putting, sinking like 20 minutes into the, into one of these levels and then dying at the last minute over and over and over again at the same part and having to go right back to the beginning and start all over again. So that's my only real negative, but uh, it looks beautiful. It's still play. It's still really fun to play. But uh, yeah, I picked that up. So I don't know. I might uh, I might touch base on it again at some point in the show. But uh, I just want to say the game is still fun. 
But if you are going to pick it up, it is incredibly frustrating. Uh, so make sure you uh, what? Why are you laughing? I want, I want like three or four people to all download it and beat it in like three hours. And I'm just like Mitch, what yeah. are you talking about? No, but the, see, and this is a prime example. Diego, the former uh, former host of the show, Diego bought this game the day it came out, and he wrapped it the first weekend, no problem. <laughs> what? But that's because Die- Diego is a madman with video games. He's I'm admittedly I'm not great. I love video games. I'm not right. good at them. I love them. Not great at them. Certain ones, like I, I enjoy them so much that I'll, I'll suffer through it. <laughs> but, uh, but this one, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still quite a bit of fun, but I, I definitely did not finish it the way that I thought I was going to. Okay, uh, I'm going to do two really quickly uh, because one isn't a horror movie. I just want to get it out of the way quickly. Uh, King of Staten Island is super good. Uh, oh. I rented that the other day. Really enjoyed that. And you spent $20? Then you, uh, wow. Guys. It's like Mitch. When you watch this, especially the the weird amount that we relate to Pete Davidson is scary. Like why in the way I that was, we I, love Kate Beckinsale? I mean, that was that was the first red flag. <laughs> okay, now I'm going to get on to some actual stuff here. So I haven't listened to your guys' Just last wait, episode. Is Pete, I wasn't there. Is Pete Davidson is Pete Davidson very uh, suicidal in that movie or what? Yeah, buddy. Okay, <laughs> I can't wait to see it. Also, okay, continue, Boozy. Sorry. Okay, so you guys had on a guest last week, and I unfortunately wasn't there for that. Michael so Peterson. I decided, yeah, Michael Peterson. That so baller. I decided I was trying to build up some excitement for this. I decided to check out Knuckleball. I was I was very oh, interested cool. in it because Monroe Chambers is in that, and Monroe Chambers is amazing. I I really hope that he's on the come up because he started doing a bunch of horror. Movies. I, I I hope we're getting a Monroe Sance. And you yep. and you know him where Monroe Chambers is from, correct? The Six? <laughs> He's from Degrassi. Oh, I thought you meant like actually from. Like, how the fuck would I know, Kyle? <laughs> Guys, just remember one thing. It's When it comes to Canada, it's all about Degrassi. Yes. Honestly, we give movies better ratings because Degrassi members are in them. I definitely do. I could justify that. <laughs> I, would you guys. I do not do that. That's <laughs> both of you. I definitely do. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but it was really cool to see Michael Ironside in this. I think he did a really good job. He's awesome. I, yeah. I was I was definitely vibing with his like I'm a grandpa vibe. Um, That's what he does best. Sh- it's shot so beautifully. The only complaint I have about this movie is I I felt like the end got really rushed, and I wasn't totally happy with the conclusion and how it happened. I guess, but oh, I just I felt really good things watching this movie the whole way through that like if you're watching something mediocre maybe you you wouldn't be as interested but i just felt more and more engaged and i think that speaks a lot to how good once again monroe chambers is at being this very like off kilter person i can't remember the guy's name is luca i'm gonna Velakis. Velakis. okay is it Velakis? okay yeah like he he does a really good job but i feel like monroe chambers anytime they're together on screen is always the more dominant not just in a character way, but in an acting way. Like, I feel like he's giving it so much more. Well, yeah, he's also like 10 years older than him. So? Oh, maybe he's a baby genius. I don't know. Whoa. <laughs> don't make me so... grab a copy of Baby Genius. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I would highly recommend Knuckleball. It also came out the day after my birthday. So it was like a little late present for me, I guess, in the past. Yeah, hell yeah. I'm so, I I knew when I watched that movie that you were going to dig it. I'm happy to hear that uh, I was correct. I love a good home invasion movie. I watched Becky from 2020 last night. It is the brand new 
Kevin James film. So it's starring Lulu Wilson. Tell me about this. Yes, Lulu Wilson uh, from Ouija, Origin of Evil. She's in Haunting of Hill House, Annabelle Creation, Sharp Objects. Uh, So she's a child actor. And then we got Kevin James from Paul Blart Mall Cop fame, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. Uh, King of Queens. King of Queens. Here comes the boom. Andy Wexler, Hotel Transylvania 1 through 3, Pixels. I think you guys get the point now. Grown ups too. Um, then I we got Kevin James. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have always fucking hated Kevin James. I think he sucks. But then uh, we got Kevin Joel James. McHale. It's on site. And Co- Joel McHale, another guy I do not like. I but that's just because he. Do you know? Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Joel McHale yeah, from Community. Course. Just he always like he just looks like a car a used car salesman. Like he just is. He always looks like he's doing something. <laughs> like greasy. he's always gonna sell you something. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I like him though. <laughs> yeah, I guess he he's good at what he does. But then exactly. we got Robert, yeah Robert Malay or uh, Mallet. I I don't. I'm pretty sure it's Malay because he's French. Uh, because he's from Seb's hometown. He uh, oh, he's good. this gigantic unit. I want to find out how fucking tall he is. <laughs> Because, no, he's like seven feet tall. He's in. Well, I just want to say congratulations to him for getting away from Seb's hometown. Absolutely. (laughs) He's, uh, I think he still lives there. But uh, I'll take that back then. Yeah, he, he, like, he's in 300. He's in American Gods, Polar, Deadpool 2. And uh, he was most prominent on The Strain. He played, like, the main villain in the TV show The Strain. Uh, And then we have Amanda Bruegel. And uh, that's all we need to talk about right now. But this is from the filmmaking the filmmaking duo uh, team, Jonathan Below and Kerry Ke- uh, Mernion. Uh, they have recently put out Cooties. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Remember Cooties? Yeah. And it's also written by uh, a team, Nick Morris and Ruckus Sky. They oh, and Lana Sky. Sorry. Uh, this is their their writing debut, I believe, for for a feature length film. And uh, but anyways, this this story, this this movie would be a great double feature with Knuckleball because oh. the story goes a teenager's weekend at a lake house oh. with her a, a teenager's weekend at a lake house with her father takes a turn for the worse when a group of convicts wreaks havoc on their lives. Um, so it's basically once again, this movie is called Becky. And it's uh, Lulu Wilson plays her. She her dad is Joel McHale, and she's going up to her her camp house with her dad and his new girlfriend and potential uh, bro- new brother in law um, or stepbrother. Sorry, stepbrother. And their home gets invaded by Nazis, escaped convicts, and that is led by Kevin James. Kevin James is has a giant swastika tattooed on the back of his head. He is so good in this role you guys like i've I, you can't even see like i couldn't see him in this role like he of course you see him but he was just this was by far the best i've seen him acting i this movie was so much fun it was so incredibly fun we watched it last night but i think this is just such a huge step up from cooties it's another child-led horror thriller um, strong performances across the board. I just thought it was super fun, violent, energetic. Once again, obvious comparisons to Home Alone. The premise, the, like this premise for me, it's one of those ones that like, so now we talked about this on the interview with Michael Peterson last week, uh, but like how Knuckleball has like li- a loose little home, in- home Alone vibe to it, like a Home Alone gone gnarly. And uh, so does like Better Watch Out and now Becky. These just all seem to be working for me. Like I, I like all those movies, per- particularly Knuckleball in this. I really, really enjoyed. Um, but I just thought it was a very satisfying, very satisfying and brutal movie. Yeah, so I highly recommend checking that one out. 
uh, it was playing in the States. That there's a whole bunch of places that are doing uh, like drive-in movie theaters again, and they've been playing this everywhere. Uh, so I wish I could have seen it in that environment, but I didn't get to. But I got to see it at home, and it was great. Well, I so can that... confirm for you that Redbox Entertainment is the same Redbox we're talking about. Is... Shout out Redbox. <laughs> Amanda Bruegel. Shout out Amanda Bruegel. She's a great Canadian actress. She's in a great CBC show, uh, Kim's Convenience. Good shit. It's good shit. Oh, I yeah. But... And and she's also in uh, The Handmaid, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah. She's in Handmaid's Tale, too. But shout out Kim's Convenience. That show's great. If Absolutely. only she'd been in Degrassi. Honestly, mm-hmm. she might be in the background. Let's be honest. <laughs> okay, we, we'll I, give her that. I, I looked up Becky really quick on Letterboxd, and I have to give props to Jonathan Malo, or Malot, however you pronounce his name, uh, for being bold and commenting on his own film. I made it, <laughs> so I think it's awesome. Hope you enjoy it, too. <laughs> that is the, sick. The and it's fo- it's the all by a two-and-a-half-star review. Jonathan Malo is a is a bold man. He he posted on his own. He posted about his own film on the, his letterbox, saying, "You know, I hope you enjoy it, and I really appreciate that." But then it's followed by a two and a half star review. He gave it two and a half stars. He gave it five. Oh, there's separate people. Oh, oh okay. separate separate accounts on letterbox. <laughs> oh, he gives his own movie a two and a half. Eh, well, that's whatever. what I was wondering. Anyways, no, it's it's really good, guys. It's, I haven't seen it yet, really so good. I obviously can't give my own opinion on it. But I just think that is bold, and I respect it. You know, yeah. I think Kevin James is kind of Robert Pattinson us. Like, what if he just oh, comes out with a bunch of really good films out of nowhere? We're not going to go that know, far man. yet. Come on, guys. <laughs> that's, that's a stretch, buddy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe I will say he was good in this. Yeah, he was. He was very good in this, I thought. And uh, it was it was very fun watching a Nazi get his fucking a bunch of Nazis get their asses kicked. So yeah, that's, that's that was cool. it was an enjoyable time uh, to watch that kind of movie right now. So highly recommend it. Uh, what else you got, Boozy? You guys are just going to have to follow with me on this one. It's Uh-oh. it's going to be wild, and we're going to get through this together, okay? All right, so I found an obsc- obscure movie, which you can watch for free on YouTube, uh, no, called on Blue YouTube. Monkey from 1987. Now, Blue Monkey also goes under the title Insect. There, and what's interesting about this movie is it's a Canadian horror film. It's d- directed by William Fruitt who later directed, like, a bunch of Goosebumps episodes. So you actually feel it. And the reason that makes it even more interesting is there's no DVD or Blu-ray copy of this movie. They they stopped it at VHS, and they said enough is enough. (sighs) Let me give you a story. It's basically The Thing and Aliens, but in a hospital. But the hospital also is a power plant and also is a sewage plant. And the only color or the only lights in the whole place are blue. You guys are following me? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Look at that photos of this But show. Okay, so it's a creature feature. So instead of an alien, they get a bug that has like an ant slash praying mantis head. And at one point, they, they, they never really explain very well until they go and actually see it. And for some reason, they have like a, a botanist because it's a bug. And he explains the entire premise and mating ritual of this fucking thing in like 10 seconds after looking at it for five seconds. <laughs> so Whoa, Wait, what? He, okay. he literally gives you more exposition than you actually see of the creature. So he just explains everything for you so you know. Um, and this is possibly one of the wildest scores I've ever heard in a horror movie. It's it's like someone was playing a piano randomly, but someone was playing a synth to a different song in the background. I've been but there. it also sounds like an off-key Goosebumps theme. 
Anyway, uh, they basically hired a bunch of actors who looked like people from Aliens and slightly dressed them like it. Like, there's a really big, like, knockoff Ripley, and they actually steal lines directly from Aliens within this movie. Now that checks out. And, uh, <laughs> and it, it's in, it's a, like, let's go back to the fact that it's in a hospital that's quarantined. <laughs> So there's, like, an ER love story going on within that. Anyway, towards the end, they randomly throw in, uh, like, you know, Mother from, like, Alien, the, yeah. the voice? They randomly throw it in so that the hospital has that voice, too. And it's, like, <laughs> identical. Anyway, uh, I can see why this movie never had a DVD Blu-ray release, but I fucking loved this movie. It was great. It was so fun. This looks it's insane. Got, it's got John Vernon in it from uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Yeah, and, and uh, he just and plays basically the same character. Yeah, I assume so. <laughs> oh, my yeah, you're right. oh, is, oh my uh, god! Is de- Detective Jim Bishop? So we got a bishop in here. <laughs> Holy shit! The, I you... didn't know it, but I love William Fruitt. Oh my god! This Why? guy has directed two episodes of Animorphs <laughs> and ten episodes of the hit children's TV series, The Zack Files. Oh my god. What the fuck Kyle. is the Zach Files? Oh, what's the Zach Files? Are you <laughs> kidding me? What's the yeah. Zach Files as he pulls up with his DVDs of them? The yeah. Zach Files was like was like a Canadian kids version of the X Files, but it's the Zach Files. It's weird how fast you grab that. Like it's right beside you. Why the fuck do you have that, Kyle? <laughs> What well, the fuck? why is it you so close to you? Files. I have to have it. <laughs> He's holding a box set of the Zach files right now. And La- Boots, you missed it. Last episode, he was showing Michael Peterson. He has a Degrassi pillow. What? Yeah, he has a Degrassi pillow and a Degrassi. He has like fucking 10 Degrassi box sets. Look at this Degrassi pillow. I fucking love Kyle. I knew I loved Kyle, but now I love Kyle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we thought we loved him only because of his sweet dumper. <laughs> Little like we, do we know, he was more than just a sweet ass. <laughs> Seriously, though, I have to just give huge props to William Fruitt. Ten whole awesome. episodes were directed by him. That's amazing. I honestly right, so, feel like we're slowly turning into a Degrassi podcast. Yeah, but uh, Mitch has never seen it. <laughs> I, are you kidding? I've seen all of the next. I've seen uh, no, the original. Seen the new ep- you haven't seen the new seasons. <laughs> no, why, would I, why in the fuck would I watch the new seasons? I'm 30 years old. It's um, Degrassi. Excuse me? I've I've seen yeah. all of the next generation and the original run. You've offended the two out of the two people you're speaking at right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. All right. So boozy, you give a thumbs up to insect and uh, blue monkey. Oh, if you like eighties fucking creature features, extremely low budget. This is amazing. It is amazing. Okay. Awesome. Um, I got two last things to talk about. One of them, it's going to take a little bit, uh, but boozy, do you got anything else? I'm full you're up right all out? there. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to close up. I finished off the, I finished off season two of what we do in the shadows. So I'm just here to tell everyone season two is a true work of art. Uh, this is the kind of thing that I just, man, I just, I want to, this is the kind of show that I want to buy 20 copies of the show just so I can give it to people. Like how I gave Kyle a copy of it follows on Blu-ray. Cause I was worried he might only have the DVD. Um, so I gave him that, but I just, I wish I had, I wish I could buy everyone. Yeah, can. I appreciate yeah. it. I just genuinely wish I could give people copies of what we do in the shadow season two, because I truthfully think that this show just makes the world a better place. This show is so goddamn funny and they upped the ante so hard in season two. Uh, I loved season one, but it is 
I don't even know how to put it into words, how, how much better season two is than season one. Uh, specifically, Boozy, I was texting you on Saturday night, I think, about episode I nine. I know, yeah. yeah they're, they're episode nine, it's just called Witches, and that is like the most Mitch and Boozy episode of anything I've ever seen. Um, can, can I ask you a question, Mitch? Yeah. If you had to choose between a third season of the TV show or another movie with the original cast... Which would you go for? Honestly, hands down, the TV show. Seriously, I, I, and felt, I felt that. Yeah, and it, it's just it's just because season two was so good. Like it was so so funny, and like I I've I've totally fallen in love with these characters. I love every single character in this show. Um, like on Saturday night, Courtney and I watched episode nine and ten, and we were howling. Like it, this is like the only show that can make me actually laugh out loud like the way that i laughed when i was first like watching the office for the first time like the american office that is one of my favorite shows of all time and it's very similar um but they and this is like similar in jump like think about like the first season of the office uh the american office and then the jump in quality with season two that's kind of similar with what we do in the shadows but i i don't i don't know how they came up with some of the shit they came up with in season two of what we do in the shadows because it is just so goddamn good. But I've been dancing around this ever since I've been talking about this. One of my favorite characters in the show, Guillermo, uh, the familiar. He's Nandor's familiar. He is Kyle. Guillermo is Kyle. If Kyle, if, if, Uh-oh. If Kyle, if Kyle gained 100 pounds, he in the most loving way. And he's, are you looking him up right now? Look him up because he like, obviously you don't look like him, but there's so many similarities to him. I, I just think he's so funny. He's so fucking funny. Guillermo, um, what are you doing? <laughs> does that mean I'm funny? Oh, I see him. I could see him, honestly. Yeah. Kyle, you I are seen super funny. <laughs> but like, and Kyle, we've talked about this before, how much we fuck with dragons, den and shark tank. Like they're, True. I can't think of anything that I could possibly find funnier than seeing a character like Guillermo make a Shark Tank style pitch <laughs> to a bunch of witches, and that's that's what happens. And what we do, like, like he gets really into Shark Tank in one episode. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Um, man, but yeah, I, need I to watch this. Man, it is. It's awesome. So if you're if you're one of those people who have been sleeping on what we do in the shadows, like season two, man, holy fuck, is it good? Um, going on from that, I have another TV show to talk about, and it's three seasons. I watched three seasons of a TV show since the last time we talked. What? Uh, yes. You're a madman. Uh, well, I, but it's been two, <laughs> two and a half fucked. weeks. It's, still fucked, it's, been two, it's been two and a half weeks, man. And uh, I have like two episodes a week. <laughs> I've seen, I, I saw the first two seasons of this. I'm talking about the Hannibal TV show. Uh, so I'm not, I'm also not including that. I watched all of the Hannibal movies again. I'm just not talking about those today. Yeah. What? We live in a I, I feel like we, we need to give you like an intervention. Almost. I've never seen, is it red dragon? Is that any good? Okay. Let's Kyle's talk about red dragon. colors here. Yeah. Okay. So I've never seen it. I, I like red dragon. Um, it's admittedly, it has the Brett Ratner stank to it. So that's the problem is that it's directed by a, fucking gigantic pile of shit but it is like it's still a decent movie and it's very it's very uh, accurate to the book the novel i'm a huge okay basically i'm gonna start over here i'm a huge fan of hannibal uh thomas harris his books are some of my favorite books that i've ever read uh i read i think i read red dragon when i was in i think grade 10 um so i got like really into this stuff when i was from a fairly young age i read all the books except for i only made it like halfway through hannibal rising i don't really count that book or the movie um it's 
it's just like there's a couple things that are that irk me, but overall, it's it's got the Danny Elfman score, which is really great. Uh, Ralph Fiennes is he's awesome as uh, uh, Francis Dollarhide, like the Red Dragon. I love uh, I like I quote yeah. I quote that movie <clears throat> daily. Like every, anytime I'd pick up Courtney, like before we lived together, I'd always open up the door and say, "Vide with me, vide with me." <laughs> It's weird that you guys are still together, honestly. Yeah. I know. I like, I don't know much... how she got around that curveball. The only thing about the Red Dragon movie is that, like, it's a prequel to Silence of the Lambs, and, like, Chilton and Stephen Hopkins are, or Anthony Hopkins, sorry, are, like, 20 years older <laughs> than uh, they were in Silence of the Lambs. But at the same time, they probably didn't have the technology to do any de-aging, and we all know how bad de-aging can look, so I'm also not going to be too picky about that. What I am going to talk about today is the Hannibal TV show, because... Courtney and I decided that we wanted to give it a rewatch because we never finished season three, uh, both of us. And we we watched this separately before we were together. And I loved season one and two. I love season two so much. And that's why I that's honestly one of the reasons I didn't get into season three is that I felt a little I don't want to give any spoilers, but didn't see how they could have more after the finale of season. Yeah. Two. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Which uh, I guess without i can't spoil anything so but anyways that case of the show start it stars hugh hugh dancy uh playing will graham who is uh claire danes's husband in real life uh we got Matt he's Smith. a really good actor he's okay like, yeah. really good yeah i'm gonna get into hugh dancy because uh i have my issues with hannibal the tv show but for the most part i just fucking love this show uh but mads mickelson playing hannibal we got lawrence fishburne playing jack crawford great casting there uh, Caroline Devernes, Al- uh, Anna Chlumsky from My Girl and My Girl Two fame. Right, she was course. also in Blood Car, Boozy Blood Car, <laughs> uh, a classic. Yeah. Then we got uh, Gillian Anderson from X Files and Catherine Isabel. Shout um, out Catherine Isabel. Yep. Michael Pitt from Funny Games. Uh, then he got him playing Mason Verger. He's recast in season three, which is a shame because the dude is possibly the best psychopath. Uh, then we got Richard Armitage, who played Thorin in those atrocious Hobbit movies. Re- he's like the main Hobbit in those really bad Hobbit. You guys never saw those? Yeah, okay, I feel like I gave up on it he's, halfway through. He's the, he's the dad in the lodge, though. but he plays the oh, red okay. dragon. Yeah, he, he plays Francis Dollarhide in season three. The show takes a really interesting route in actually showing us the red dragon as like a beast in, and what it would look like in season three. And I think it looks amazing, uh, really cool looking. But yeah, the show is creative and executive produced by Brian Fuller. He got his start working in like Star Trek and then he went on to make Dead Like Me, Pushing Daisies and recently American Gods. But the best thing about the show is that great show. You like Pushing Daisies? Yeah, great show. Um, yeah, the best thing about this show is I know there's I know a lot of like Thomas Harris fans who could never get into it because they're like they think it's a bastardization of the characters and I couldn't disagree more. I think it's actually the opposite. I think he takes Thomas Harris's beloved characters and completely reworks the storyline and he pushes everyone in really interesting and different directions. And that just goes like I don't know why anyone would want a TV series version of Silence of the Lambs. We already have an incredible five-star Academy Award-winning movie. Why do we need that retold the exact same way? Gr- granted, they didn't have the rights to cover Silence of the Lambs. I'm pretty sure that's one of the re- one of the many reasons it was canceled after three seasons. They didn't have anywhere to go with it because they didn't have the rights for the Clarice Starling uh, storyline. But I just my favorite th- part about the show, hands down, is Mads Mads Mikkelsen. Man, I think Mads he doesn't take anything from Anthony Hopkins at all. He completely reinvents the character, and I think it works so well. 
don't get me wrong, I like shit gets a little ridiculous in the show. Like Will Will Graham is a nut job. That's what I want to talk about here. So Kyle, you've never seen the show? No, I haven't. And Boozy, you've seen all of it, right? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> my favorite Uh-oh. thing about the first couple seasons is like well, my favorite thing is Hannibal, like the Mads Mikkelsen. I think he's so good in that role. But I also think Hugh Dancy is hilarious as well, Graham, unintentionally for the first little bit, just because he's such a fucking nutcase. Like that dude is a liability. Let's think about <laughs> this for a second. Like just imagine he because do you do you know, or I guess if you haven't seen Red Dragon, uh, Kyle, like, have you seen Manhunter? Yeah, I've seen that. I've never seen Red Dragon. OK, so um like, do you know about like how Will Graham, he has like this gift where he can go into crime scenes and basically he can get in the mind of the serial killer and what he was thinking yeah, at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the axe. I remember that. But the funniest thing about the show is that like, you got to imagine being, imagine being in any type of field of work and having someone like Will Graham <laughs> and like, just imagine walking into a crime scene and you see this guy like stabbing the air or shooting his finger guns. And you're like, what the fuck is this lunatic doing? <laughs> It's like it's like a ten year old on a playground. Yeah, yeah it's like the laser tag backpack. <laughs> careful wow. where you're pointing those things, sir. <laughs> but I don't know. I think this shit's hilarious when you like strip it of its like because the show has very moody music and it's, it's very stylish filmmaking. But I just think like imagine trying to perform an autopsy and there's this dude just sitting in a chair in the corner twitching and speaking <laughs> nonsense about what was what was maybe going through the killer's head at the time. Where he's like, This is this is my design. Shut the fuck up, Bill. <laughs> His, his, I also love how his coping mechanism is to all have 12 dogs, which I, I get it. I would do that in the in a heartbeat if I had the opportunity to. That but, shows uh, he's a good person, Mitch. Yeah, but what bothers me is the dude's never home. And he works in the city. So, like, who's taking care of his 12 dogs? <laughs> ah. See, that's where I'm an asshole. Well, doesn't he, li- he lives in, like, the middle of nowhere. He just, they're pack animals. He lets them outside. They oh, they sit in the living room. They are never seen outside the living room. So, okay, in this scenario that you've built, basically these dogs, tw- 12 dogs are running around his house shitting everywhere. Yes. And, and like, his house just stinks. And Will just goes, well, it's their design. <laughs> I don't know. He I just com- think... He comes in finger guns blazing. Yeah. He starts dissecting the scene. <laughs> I don't know. I just think the writing is so tight and clever. Um, I personally think that Mads, Mads is my personal favorite Hannibal Lecter. And that's saying a lot because wow. I'm someone who I adore Anthony Hopkins and Brian Cox. Um, but if we're being real, Brian Cox doesn't really... He does the job in Manhunter, but he doesn't really bring anything to the role that pushes it to like iconic status or anything. Mads creates a, a whole other, more believable, fascinating rendition of this character. That's like, and like Anthony Hopkins already made him an Academy Award winning character. Like, and I, I do eventually sort of buy into Hugh Dancy's Will Graham, but I can never take him fully seriously. But I just think this is the best showcase of how emotionally manipulating Hannibal Lecter is as a character. And like the score to this show is just amazing because it's like pots and pans being beaten, but making unsettling musical noises. Like, uh, and, uh, and the, the other funny thing about the show is that it's by far the most brutal thing I've ever seen on television. It was, it aired on NBC. I'm pretty sure when I first started watching it, I watched it weekly. It was on NBC at like eight o'clock. And um, there, there's some of the most brutal and grotesque violence I've ever seen in this show that like my mom was watching. 
And it's just crazy to think about that. But they also like they blur out all the nudity like crazy. Like they so aggressively won't show dicks or butts or boobs, but they will. Why would show you some... expect eight o'clock TV to have dicks? Why would you expect eight o'clock TV to have a guy's head clearly being ripped open? Like it is man, like they have the most brutal kills in this show. Like it is unreal how violent it is. Um, but basically, I just I'm here to co-sign on saying that like the show as a whole is just awesome. I think the the season three dips pretty hard for me in the first half. Uh, I feel like it gets a little kooky. And um, that's when they first start. They delve into like the Hannibal Rising storyline a little bit. And that's for sure the least interesting storyline for me in the whole Hannibal Lecter story. Um, But you also have like that. That's also where Don Mancini, the creator of Child's Play, he came in and started writing some of the episodes. And I think right as soon as Don Mancini started writing is when it was getting like really fucking wild, like so unbelievably wild. And it gets it just got a little too insane for me. That was my big problem with that show is they kind of turned Hannibal Lecter into like a superhero in a way. Totally, man. He he became the Punisher, basically. Man, yeah. And like season three specifically, like the whole Mason Verger subplot, like the. Yeah. Yeah, and like, but once they get out of that, like the last like four episodes of season three are exquisite. Like it is so so good, and I think it end it ends off on a great way to end off a three three season series. I think they did a great job of closing it up. If we're never going to get a season four, but they also show us that like if they ever do want to reboot it up, or if they can, if fans can somehow get this off the ground, because I totally would love to see Mads Mikkelsen playing that role again. Um, I would, I would do, I would do anything for a season four of Hannibal. I would love to see that. Anything. Uh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they could, they could easily bring him back. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I love the show. I think if you're a fan of Mindhunter or any kind of show like that, and you haven't seen Hannibal and you want, you want something kind of along those lines, I'm not going to say Hannibal's as good as Mindhunter, uh, but it's very, it's, it's got similarities and there's tons of stuff to enjoy in that show. Um, especially if you're a Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter fan and you haven't watched it, give it a shot. But like, uh, I know Boozy and I were talking on the weekend when we went to the protest, we were talking before how the show is just so dark, so, so dark that it makes it hard to want to rewatch it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it, it was actually kind of difficult for me to rewatch the first season. Cause I'm like, oh man, I forgot how bleak it is. Like, it's just, it's, it's very miserable at times, but it's just, it's so well written, so well acted and shot. And I love it. Uh, that's everything I got this week, guys. Sorry I took a little longer on that one. I gotta say, I've just been staring at this photo of Brett Ratner, and he honestly looks kind of like... <laughs> he kind of just looks like if Patton Oswald was like Lucifer. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like if, if he became like a like a bizarro version of Patton Oswald, that's Brett Ratner. He but totally is. And you <laughs> have alternate you dimension evil Patton Oswald. You he have looks like to be a psychopath to like even conceive Tower Heist. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And he also, he looks like one of those guys who would wear those like uh, football, you know, those like mesh football jerseys that fat dudes would wear. Like Patton Oswalt. Yeah, like that's, Why that's, are we hating on Patton Oswalt? I'm sorry. I, like I, I felt bad as I was saying it. Yeah, I like Patton Oswalt. But Brett Ratner, just, he, is, he looks like he's like the little pudgy guy who thinks that he's jacked. It's kind of like him. if Turtle from Entourage was also the devil. That's exactly, that is such a good... That's such a good comparison. He's Turtle from Entourage. Wow. <laughs> All right, boys. Crazy. Do you want to get on to Martyrs? Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it.
All right, we have reached our main feature in which we're going to be talking about my foreign film pick of the week, Martyrs from 2008. Martyrs was written and directed by Pascal Lejoire, and uh, it's, I'm not going to be saying any of the actors' names because I do not want to murder any of them, but uh, you can look them up for yourselves. I'm, ter- I'm terrible at pronouncing these names. Why are you guys looking at me that way? Jesus. <laughs> you just said you want to, you don't want to murder them. <laughs> you met their names, I understand, but it just sounded funny. It as came out like, really funny, yeah. It's kind of okay. like, oh, I don't, I don't like her. I'm not gonna. No. I'm not gonna murder them. <laughs> no, I just. If I any don't. of them get murdered, like Mitch is cleared on. Like, it. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't me. It ain't me, dude. Uh, but the story of martyrs goes: a young woman's quest for revenge against the people who kidnapped and tormented her as a child leads to her and a friend who is also a victim of child abuse on a terrifying journey into a living hell of depravity. This is going to be an episode. Um, this is going to be. <laughs> This is going to be a conversation. Uh, I don't know where you guys are at, but I'm going to start off by leading off by saying that the definition of a martyr is a person who is killed or who suffers greatly for a religious cause. And uh, that's the Webster's Dictionary definition of a martyr. (laughs) Shout out Webster's Dictionary. Yeah, and uh, I think before before we get going on actually talking about martyrs, I wanted to talk about the French extreme movement uh, in film, the French ex- the French new French extremity film movement. Um, so this originally stated back to I believe it started from film critic James Quant, who he wrote an article for Art Forum magazine. I believe it was in two thousand two. I could be wrong about that, but I'm just going to go with it. I uh, wrote the article for Art Forum magazine, and the piece was titled Flesh and Blood, Sex and Violence in Recent French Cinema. Uh, he coined the term New French Extremity, and uh, there's another great resource. If anyone's interested in finding out more about French Extremity, this is something that I wanted to do a whole series on. Uh, I wanted to do a whole series on New French Extremity film, but I figured that I would splice this one in here because there's tons of other new French extreme movies that we could talk about if we ever decide to go down that route. Um, but the one that always comes to mind first for me when those words are spoken is Martyrs. Uh, but I wanted to highlight it in our foreign language world horror series. Right. Um, but if you want, if you're interested in learning more about uh, any of this stuff, there's another great resource that uh, you, if you're interested in, it's a book called Films of the New French Extremity, Visceral Horror and the National Identity by Alexandra West. She's the co-host of Faculty of Horror, and she's also the writer of the ni- of 1990s teen horror cycle, Final Girls and a New Hollywood Formula. Um, and with that being said, I'm going to offer a little exciting spoiler for our show. Alexander West is going to be coming on the terror table at the end of uh, July. So what? Yeah, I guess what? Got, huge. Oh, we don't even <laughs> know. Yeah. Uh, yeah wow. so bringing on us like that. That is yeah, awesome. Yeah. So she's, she's going to come on and talk with us. I've been, uh, she's someone that I've, I've uh, been following for a long time. I think she's brilliant. She's a horror genius and I really like listening to her. I think she has extremely poignant thoughts on everything horror, especially this, this subgenre. She, this, this book that she wrote is, very, very interesting, and um, it just so happens to be that she's going to be coming on within a month or a month or two of uh, us talking about martyrs, which is kind of interesting. That's great. Uh, but that's something to look forward to for uh, a future guest that we're going to be having on here. And I guess to give people an idea of like what other French, new French extremity movies, I mean, there would be like, 
irreversible demon lover inside i guess even climax to some extent yeah climax you can think of like almost any of gaspar noe's films uh high tension is one that i know boozy and i are big fans of kyle have you seen high tension no i've never seen that one yeah that one's directed by uh, alex alex aja who uh recently directed crawl a film that we booked gotcha. boozy and i really like here yeah. um great filmmaker but uh high tension's one that we definitely will talk about at some point on this podcast another one that comes up when talking about french extremity films is them or otherwise known as ills and this is one that boozy would really like have you seen this movie boozy no okay because i believe this was one of the movies that uh inspired um what's his name uh uh, uh, wow! I almost said Paul Bernardo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the guy, uh, who, the director of The Strangers, Brian Bertino. Like, Brian Bertino. Okay, do you see how like <laughs> Sorry, yeah, those are de- very different people. Pa- Paul Bernardo and Brian Bertino, not the Don't. same person. Don't Google the first one. <laughs> Just for the record. <laughs> but uh, them, them is a home invasion French extreme movie that Boozy would really enjoy. Uh, and the one that we talked about, I think, I, yeah, I talked about this with um, with Aaron Kuntz on uh, the episode that he was on recently about Frontiers is a movie that I've been wanting to see for a long time and I can't get a hold of it. Finally, Amazon has some copies on DVD, so I'm going to have to stoop to Kyle's level. To grab that, but <laughs> and come on, join the revolution. Come on, join the movement, baby. Come on. Yeah. Sometimes you got to get in the mud with the pigs, you know. You <laughs> know, roll around, toss you the pig wouldn't skin. steal your mom's purse. Damn <laughs> right, I wouldn't. I'm a good boy. But yeah, like I said, martyr martyrs is always at the forefront when talking about French extremity films, and um, I don't know. I guess what I was wondering about is what what's your guys' uh, history with new French extremity films? Like, what is your understanding of them? Um, what do you understand from the the subgenre? Like, what what are they to you? Well, to be honest, like my 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 core background on the genre definitely has to be Gaspar Noé's films. Like, for the most part, um, I've seen all of his films. I like them all, and um, I can understand sort of where the I guess where the genre sort of um, gets its name from, or sort of where it gets its uh, grounding in. I've also seen Demon Lover, and that's a that's a great film. I've never um, seen Demon Lover, but that's on my list. Does yeah, I would, I would definitely recommend watching that. I think, um, I mean, really anything in the French extremity movement. I think, or the new French extremity movement. Sorry, uh, I feel like it's a love it or hate it type of thing in some ways. Yes. Um, maybe not entirely for every film because I, I can't speak to every movie. I haven't seen all of them that sort of fall under that category or that genre. But I, out of the ones I have seen, um, I do think that is uh, absolutely sort of a point of view and something to kind of think of when you're going into something like that. Just know that if it's not for you, that's totally fine. It's just kind of... Um, or even other genres of films are. But yeah, I mean, Gaspar Noé is kind of, in my, in my mind, other than Martyrs, which we'll, we'll get to soon here, of course. Um, yeah, Gaspar Noé is kind of the first thing I think of, honestly, when I think of New French Extremity. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. What about you, Boozy? Are you kind of on the same playing field? I feel like I don't have as much experience with it. I haven't, like, I hadn't seen Martyrs beforehand. I haven't seen Inside. I did watch Climax. Um, and I have watched other, I guess, uh Dream type movies, but the, out of the list of what we were talking about, I haven't seen a ton. So this is like a fairly new ballpark for me. That's awesome. So wait a second, did you? So this is a first time watch of Martyrs for both of you guys, correct? Holy shit! I'm so excited. Ditto. And this is we're in only, the mud today. This is uh, it's <laughs> only my second time, and uh, I'll get into that. 
but I guess welcome to the mud zone. <laughs> Come on, it's only my second time. <laughs> I just I've uh, I've realized over the years that I'm a big fan of French cinema. Like uh, just in general, there's a lot of stuff that comes out of France, and uh, just in the French language speaking uh, films, like that, I tend to enjoy a lot of the stuff that I see uh, from from that demographic. So I uh, oh yeah yeah, huh? yeah. name thirty. Yeah. <laughs> all right let's get into let's get into martyrs so i only have 29 so i'll stop yeah (laughs) all right so basically this movie is a mood this is a mood and uh i'm excited to hear what kind of paul bernardo mood like what (laughs) fucking kind of mood are you talking about i'm not gonna be able to let that one down am i (laughs) paul blart paul bernardo move (laughs) the team up you never knew you wanted (laughs) kind of the same thing if you really think about it yeah okay so um why why i chose this you guys ask why is that um i love this yeah why uh, Uh, this yeah, your movie, second time watching it. Yeah, it is. It's my second time, and it's because this is. I personally think that this is one of the most difficult films that I've ever sat through. Um, as a diehard horror fan, like when the, this movie came out in two thousand eight, I believe I saw it for the first time when I was nineteen. So I saw it around the time of its release, and I heard heard people talking about this was around the time where I was still working a blockbuster. So um, we would get these types of movies in, and everyone. Or we always had the the weirdos, a.k.a. me, who would check out pretty much every movie that we ever got in, uh, especially in the horror genre. And this was one that kind of just, it was like a bomb that just exploded within within the, the video store world around Saskatoon. I remember everyone talking about Martyrs and it being like, good luck getting through this film. And like before that, it was high tension. Like people would talk about how high tension was so difficult to get through. And uh, I love high tension for the most part. Like I know it's it's a tired conversation to have. The ending is terrible, but like the movie is so good. And uh, so I checked out Martyrs, and in my opinion, like when discussing films that truly affected me and disturbed me, Martyrs is the first one that comes to mind. This is the one that like it's. I would say that it's the last movie to truly traumatize me before I was almost fully uh, desensitized from horror in general and violence. Like this was the one that really sat with me. Like when I, when I watched it, it really, really bothered me. And um, I also think like this one comes up a lot in the discussion of torture porn. And I do not think that this is a torture porn movie. And I will tell you why I think this, it often gets written off as a torture porn movie, which I do not think that it is arguably enough. Like, so torture porn, I think is like hostel saw the loved ones, and uh, debatably all of Rob Zombie's movies because those are just torture to get through. But uh, <laughs> like, tor- torture is at the forefront of those stories. But like torture, like torture is at the forefront of this story. But it serves a purpose. These yeah. people aren't torturing people for their own enjoyment, like in Hostel, Saw, or The Loved Ones. All movies that I enjoy to an extent. I, so I, I guess I always say that I'm not a fan of torture porn, but. I kind of like those, all those movies to an extent. I think it's ugly, it's mean, and it's gross, but none of it is meaningless. And uh, I think Pascal Legere has, he's, he said that Hostel served as inspiration for him uh, for making this movie. And I think he clearly took, like, he clearly took the most effective moments of Hostel and then incorporated them in this movie. But, like, he, he learned from the he learned what works and what doesn't work in Hostel, and I think that's that's where the film really succeeds in the torture element of this film. 
the cuts, the bruises, and the damage inflicted on these people is felt more than almost any other film that I can think of. And the torture is treated like a medical experiment. And not once is it ever treated for laughs or shock. Like, yeah, of course, there there are moments in Martyrs. I should also preface saying that you guys want to do a spoiler warning? Sure. I mean, I, sure. I, I guess. Yeah, why not? All right, let's talk about it without spoilers for the first little bit. Sure. Um, but uh, so I'll, I'll offer up a spoiler warning once we get to it. But I don't think that this movie relishes in the torture. Like, it, it's almost it's two different movies in one. I'm going to I'm going to get so far ahead of myself. I'm going to let you guys talk. I really like this movie. It's <laughs> insane that I really like it. It's not fun to watch. I don't yeah. enjoy watching this movie, but it gives me an experience that I don't get from other films. And even the moment I finished it yesterday, the, I remembered, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I don't watch this movie all the time. This isn't a movie that you can watch all the time, or at least I can't, because it doesn't align with my tastes in the type of movies that I rewatch over and over again. But it's because it, ha- it leaves you, it has such a profound impact on me every time, I, at both times that I've watched it, where I'll think about it. Like, I've been thinking about it for the last 24 hours. And I've been dissecting the ending and what I think the ending means. And I think we're going to talk about that at the end of this or once we get into spoilers. Um, but I, the movie really, it really strongly affects me. And I, I think that it succeeds in spades in what it's trying to accomplish. What, what did you guys think of it? I'm very curious. <laughs> Boozy's giving me a look. Um, <clears throat> this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to watch. And I've seen the long layers. Um I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that I really like. I think at certain points it is beautiful in how sad it is. I think the first half being kind of a realistic kind of revenge thriller that that really ropes you in and you understand the story very clearly and you can understand character motives no matter how uh, hard they are to digest while they're happening, you you understand the the why and the who. Um, I find the latter part of this movie to be one of the most interesting stories I've heard of in terms of uh, ambition with making a film. the The idea itself is um, super unique. I, I really like that idea, but it is really fucking hard to watch, and I don't ever want to see it again. I, especially for, um, I don't want to give away too much of the ending, but for, for what you get as a conclusion, it really, um, makes you sit down and like be by yourself for like five minutes because it, it, it kind of hurts. Like the movie really does like hurt you. Um, and if you, if you can't relate to these characters on any front, um, I don't see how because they do seem so down there. Like you, you honestly do feel that connection right away. And as an audience, you want to protect your main character. And even though these characters are so heinous in some of the things that they do, you still try and hope for the best for them. And that doesn't always work. Um, I thought it was a very interesting story at the beginning with kind of the idea of there being uh, kind of an it follows type shape following around the one character. I thought that was super interesting. Kind of like it does feel like it's two separate movies, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And and that, that bridge to connect them in that hallway scene. And it, it kind of goes from uh, very interesting. You're, you're wanting to see what happens next because you, you have quite a few tough things that just happened. And it's like, 
holy shit, when I actually like paused it to go, you know, how much of this movie is left. And when you realize it's like 40 minutes, <laughs> it, it that that's when it becomes like, oh, this is where the torture aspect of it goes, where it slows down so much and really Di- yeah. literally dissects its character and it's it's really disgusting like i yeah. i i love horror movies and i love true crime and you know i i there are certain things i can digest but this one just adding that psychological element to the uh, the visual element really uh it, it gives you like no hope for humanity it's exactly what it is no hope there's fucking no hope and yeah, yeah it, and just it sounds like kind you of got- dissecting uh, sorry, just like with with dissecting the ending and and that idea of like no hope, it like it sucks at the end. It it I don't mean it's a bad ending. It's just yeah. it's it's so draining. Like I I was in a good mood until I watched that, and then like I I didn't know if I should go to bed, and like I didn't want to watch Degrassi because I don't want to those things to like correlate with each other. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah, Courtney and I yeah. had to watch two episodes of Queer Eye afterwards to cleanse our palate, like just to feel better about where it's like, let's watch some positivity for a little bit. I, I think I showered after, like I felt dirty. I really <laughs> I, man, uh, yeah, it uh, it sounds like it gave you the exact reaction that it gave me. I, I, so, I, I got the an extreme case of the willies. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Kyle, what well, did you think about it? This was definitely a trip. Um I mean, I, I knew about this movie for years and years, and I, I as I mentioned, I'd never seen it before. Um, and yeah, and the only thing I really knew about it was that it was just an intense watch and like graphic, which um, I think both are true for sure. But I, I mean, I, I guess I'll echo your sentiment on that, Mitch, just that how I think this view of torture, especially in the horror genre or, you know, maybe even film in general, is it's far more effective than like a plot that's based on like some sort of like complete sicko or sexual perversions or even, um, I guess, revenge complexes or something like that. Like this type of this type of torture, I, I don't want to say it's warranted, but it's warranted within the film, right? Like, the yeah. the film makes sense in its own way. Like, I mean, uh, we'll get into spoilers later, but the way the film establishes itself, it all has agency. It all it all works in a really um, uh, well-thought-out way, even though some of these things are, um, you know, unbelievable, but also very hard to watch, and you don't want to believe what you're watching. Um, yeah, the the film is just straight up brutal. I mean, but but I think it's meant to be that way. I, I think that is overall the experience that the filmmaker wants you to have while watching the feel, film. It, he, they want you to feel that brutality and sort of that um, you know, visceral reaction. And I think it really works, you know, in this film. Yeah, I mean, like my first note was like, "Is this what they call torture porn?" Like that's kind of my first <laughs> thing. I was like, "Is," but but I I don't think it is. It isn't and isn't. I I don't think it's torture porn in the traditional sense or you know exactly, what we yeah. think of it as. Um, sure, maybe I can, it's un- as, I can understand how someone would rope it into yeah. that. And I don't. I, I wouldn't. Think, I wouldn't blame them for it. I think yeah. it's it's fair. Um, it but just, I, it I th- deserves more than that. It deserves more than that, and it, it is more than that. And to be honest, like I think this this is the kind of this is the kind of boundary pushing that I enjoy in film. For me, it was a fucking hard watch, and it's some of the some of the stuff is disgusting to some extent. But at the same time, I was so committed to all these characters, and and they all, um, especially the two leads in the film, they have such an earnest connection and sort of um, I don't know believability between each other that really kind of sets the tone and solidifies you know the rest of the film. And as the film kind of like does kind of slow down in the third act, but also not so much in other ways. Like it's a very, uh, excruciating, uh, pace. Um, 
you know, and if you watch the film, you know exactly what, what I'm talking about. And in some ways, I think that is fucking genius. And in other ways, it's, um, you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, that's just something that could really turn you off. And I think that's understandable. Yeah. I don't know. I, but I think the performances in this movie are what really fucking knock it out of the park. Like, everyone in this movie is unreal. Like, uh, the person who plays Lucy, they have such a like, manic presence in the film. Like, it's mm-hmm. just so complete good. Um, energy. It's like, you know, that is like, that is giving complete emotion to a role. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, the person who plays Anna kind of, you know, another lead in the film They're you know, they're, they're the confidant, right? They're sort of, yeah. you know, but throughout the film, you're kind of struggling on, you know, how to, um, how to protect her and how the film should protect her. Kind of what you were saying there, right. Daisy. Yeah. I think that totally comes through. Yeah. I thought this movie was Great. I don't think it's 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 one of those movies where I think I would probably like it more if I watched it again. Believe it or not, yeah. I think I w- need some time before I see it again. I'm not going to watch it tomorrow, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I think if I were to watch it again, I think I would gain a bit more from it. It also has a nice performance from Xavier Dolan, his first acting, well, second acting performance. The the director of I Killed My Mother, Tom at the Farm, and Mommy. Very great Canadian director. If you've never seen him, or who, who did he play in the film? He played the brother of the family. <coughs> like the, oh, okay. At the beginning? At the very beginning. Like the yeah. young boy? Yeah, yeah. And he's oh, fantastic. Crazy. Yeah. And, and also... He wasn't in Degrassi. Well... Oh. <laughs> oh, boy. He's also a French-Canadian voice actor. Well, he does French dubbing for films such as My Dog Skip. <laughs> oh, Harry boy. Potter, he plays. He does the French dub for Ron Weasley in all the Harry Potter films. <laughs> and he oh. does the French dubbing for all of Jacob's roles in the Twilight franchise. I, re- I thought you were about to say Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> but he also does the French dub for Keith Stratton in Alpha Dog. So anyways, shout out to Xavier Dolan. This guy, Wh- he's Way a, to he's do a- your homework, Kyle. Like, well, you know. You. Also, great. this was all filmed in Quebec. Yeah, well, it's a yeah, kind of a co-Canadian production, I, I think. Yeah, funding wise, shout out. Yeah, I mean, shout, shout out, out Quebec. <laughs> shout out Quebec. <laughs> shout out um, Quebec. Yeah, and it, I guess I think another thing about this movie that I really like is, um, you know, I think that's sort of confined in in a, in a smaller space. Lets it kind of have that intimate feel. I think it works really well in that sense. And even as the film kind of opens up a little bit, it's so like closed in and like within itself there's not like i think there's room for interpretation and especially with the ending but at the same time for like 90 percent of the movie it's like really face value like you're getting what you're getting and it's yeah, like that kind of like immediate reaction that i think is really really effective and you know enjoying a film like this because if i were to tell my some friend or my mother that I watched a movie like this, they probably think I'm a fucking psychopath, but there's more to it than that, of course. And I think, I think that can be really great art. I think, you know, things that are sort of subversive, you know, are are effective and totally, it's a good example of that. I think. Yeah. I think this is one of the best examples of a movie that's not supposed to, it's not intended to be enjoyable. I I just kind of wanted to point out with, with Kyle saying it's art is I, I just want to, for argument's sake is, where do you draw the line between art and like visual nihilism? Because the, you know, it's, they're one and the same. And that's what this is. It's scary though. Sorry. I think it's not, it's not my, I think I'm, I think I'm mean misanthropy, but like the idea of like hating the human race. And this is what you make out of that to show that because like life is so disregarded and has little value overall in this movie. You see like, 
everyone you kind of learn who they are in this film becomes disposable at a certain point and it's it's hard to watch i disagree entirely but yeah, i, I also understand i understand where you're coming from but the the thing is i think that the the point of the film is that they're trying like it's all about a cult trying to okay let's get in spoilers yeah let's hit it spoiler time uh so this is your time to check out martyrs is on shutter it's on shutter in canada i'm not sure about the states but you should be able to find shutter or find martyrs somewhere because uh, it's always been one that I've always been able to find oh. on some streaming service some way or another. What's that? Should also clarify, please do not watch the 2015 Martyrs. No fucking way. I was going to actually watch that for this episode, but well, I decided not to. You I, can I if was you going, want, but do not watch that over this. Please yeah. watch the 2008 I was Martyrs. I was going to finally watch the remake as well, but uh, I just I don't need a neutered version of this. <laughs> no. And also... I don't need to sit through an, any other version of Martyrs ever. Like, uh, yeah. this is just, it's such a... Yeah, so I don't think we need a way. Martyrs 2 electric boogaloo. We really no. don't. <laughs> no, but I think I think that this film is so successful in draining you emotionally that by the end, you like, like Boozy was saying, you feel, it's almost like you feel euphoric knowing that it's over. And yes, it's, yes. And I think the the lack of score throughout the film leading into the torture scene that the and the torture scene is cloaked with that beautiful melody that help it like helps cut through the tension that the first half of the film developed. And then it just leaves you sitting there and feeling hopeless for Anna as she's getting like, I think the I, I, lots of people they always talk about like seeing her without her skin. That's the most difficult thing to see. Fuck no. Seeing that guy punch her is by far the worst part of the movie yeah. for me. I, I couldn't handle I, that. I can't handle that. I hate I, it so much. And you watch it, though. He's not enjoying it. And that's that's why I think that this movie is art. I think that what and I think that what they're doing, what it, what they're doing is so much more than torture. And that's what the whole purpose of the film is, is that it's they're a cult who's trying to reach the other side and trying to right. um, find what's on the other side, what's in the afterlife. And what that's going to lead me into the question of what you guys interpreted from the ending, because I think if there is a negative, there, well, there's actually a couple negatives I have to say about the first little bit of the movie, but I'm never a fan of ambiguous endings. This is like one of the few exceptions. The exception is that the whole idea behind the film is so ambiguous to begin with about understanding what the afterlife is and how they're, they're seeking what's on the other side and right. not knowing by the end really what, what they found out whether what happened or what didn't happen, I think is a brilliant decision. And this is one of the only times where I, this is one of the only times where I don't find an ambiguous ending to be a cop out. Cause normally I find that to be total horse shit when directors are like, well, what do you think? But it's right. like, no, cause I, I, well, I think they give you enough to, to dissect from that and, you know, really come up with your own idea. But, and I, I definitely have my own thoughts on what, what I took from it. I think that ambiguity is, is really interesting in this case, right? Because I think a lot of the underlying tone in the, or theme in this film is sort of like, how far would you go? You know, how far mm -hmm. would you go for, for revenge or for answers or for maybe anything? Enlightenment. Or, yeah, yeah, totally. And so I think the fact that this cult, you know, obviously is going very, very far to achieve what they want to achieve. The fact that they're kind of left with, you know, not what, like, be careful what you wish for type scenario. I think in a way that is actually almost a moment of levity in a sense. I mean, it's obviously very right. bleak, like all in all. I mean, the tone of the film, especially at that point in the film is, I mean, it's not happy. It's not, it's not no. happy go lucky. 
I find it. I find it um, like it was a slight moment of levity because it was this ironic moment where it's you know they're these very self-assured you know cult members who think they have it all figured out, but nobody has it all figured out, especially about exactly the afterlife. And so I think, I, I mean, I, I couldn't give you an answer exactly on, on what the ending of the film is about, but for me, it was sort of about this hopelessness and sort of about you know whether whether you know about the afterlife life or not maybe you're not supposed to know maybe that will make you want to kill yourself i think, mm-hmm. like, I think that's i think that's yeah. the exact purpose uh, that's the exact purpose of of the movie is that m- what i take from it and like if you go online man like there are tons of different dissections of different what different people theorize and i've seen a couple of people come up with this but like i personally feel like the point of the film and what you learn at the end of it is that violent the violence was meaningless what they were trying to figure out by torturing those people over all those years was completely pointless. And that no matter what they did, they're not, they weren't supposed to know what's on the other side and they're not going to get to know until they get to that other side. And they're going to be, it's going to be decided if they're Mm going to make it or not. Because you also got to wonder is, is this cult rooted in Catholicism? It sure as fuck can't be because, sorry, that sounds really weird talking about Catholicism and saying sure as fuck. Oh, because um, you know. <laughs> yeah, got him. But um, no, but like, because that this is a very prime example of like how I know the way I grew up going in Catholic schools, uh, going to ca- attending Catholic schools. Gray, I went from kindergarten to grade 12 to graduation. I was in Catholic schools. And they teach you that uh, it's the way that you act on earth and the way that you treat people is the way that you're going to be judged if you're getting into heaven or not. Right. Think about that. And right. so why why would you fucking peel well, someone's skin off? Like, <laughs> right. I don't like, know. What, what do you think is going to happen? I think it's all pointless. And I think that there's – and I, I, I personally, that's what I take from it. Uzi, what about you? That, that's, a, that's a really tough one to – uh, digest and I, I I see where you guys are coming from and I think the ending is what makes the movie even harder to digest overall is the the fact that you never get that answer the the entirety of the movie all these things that have been building up it, it's per the course of the film that it consistently lets you down in terms of protecting your uh, main character so I feel like this is per the course that makes it just that much harder when you finish watching it is that you know, everything that you've witnessed and everything that this character has gone through, you don't know why in the end. Yeah. And I, I, you can see so many different interpretations, and I'll just take it a different way than what we've talked about just to see kind of where that's at. But I, I think it's looking at something where it's either the worst thing possible and this, you know, but it, it's hard to look at that because the woman... Uh, is so forlorn when she's talking about it before she shoots herself. But at the same time, it's like, is is there something she's going to interact with that she wants to get there sooner? You know, like what's, what's the reason for shooting yourself? Is it to get to that sooner? Or is it to realize that you maybe found an answer you did? Yeah. You've, you found an answer that you didn't want to hear. Yeah. The way I see it. So we have Madame Moussel, who is the one who, like she says through the door, keep doubting before she shoots herself. And so I think that there's, there's two options here. There's a, she admits defeat and kills herself after learning that there's nothing waiting for her on the other side. This has all been for nothing. That's one option. Or B, she just can't wait to check, check out, uh, check out what's on the other side for herself because what Anna said to her must've sounded great. (laughs) 
Like, I don't know. Are... Yeah. I guess that's... <laughs> there's a Chuck E. Cheese yeah. and all you can eat buffet. Michael Bublé is going to be there. Don't ask why. <laughs> yeah, we got bubbly on tap. Mm-hmm. We got balls energy drink. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I guess that second option is a possibility, of course, but I don't think the film really reads that way, to be honest. Yeah, no. But, okay, if you, if you heard the worst possible thing that after you die is what's going to happen, would you not go on and, like, really fucking live it up? Or would you just shoot uh, yourself because, I don't know. But like, if you were leading a I'd cult doing... for 17 years, hoping that when you die, you'll have the best time of your life, and then you find out you don't, you might not want to be alive. I well, don't know. I, yeah. I'd be like, hey, let's let's do some coke or something. I don't know. Like, let's yeah. fucking party, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. I <laughs> okay, you're right. Let's do some yeah. coke and party. Yes. <laughs> Never mind. I take it. If back. someone if someone told you there there was fucking nothing after, would you immediately be like, "Well, I better go check it out myself." Like, I, think I don't just think I would. Like, I think you're describing Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what do you guys think she whispered to her? What do you think Anna whispered to Madame Marcel? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever uh, Scarlett Johansson whispers at the end of Lost in Translation. As far as I'm concerned, it's the oh, same thing. I, I was just going to say, she just said Rosebud. That's it. <laughs> I just figured she'd start she said going. I, she goes, and I just farted. The days, the days start coming and they won't stop coming. Back to the rules. Now I hit the what if she's running. just telling her house? But to live for fun. Your brain gets smart, but your head gets dumb. So much to do, so much to see, but much to just get <laughs> I have to just say, like, what a mindfuck 2020 has been that this is the same year I didn't get to see Smash Mouth. That feels like 30 <laughs> years ago. Yeah, that does. Help. I I was thinking about that today as I was like, I nearly died this year. And that's not even the most interesting thing that's happened. I know. Like, <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's a good point. This year just like popped off. <laughs> Crazy. It's fucking nuts. A couple, few more points on this film. I don't know if you guys have much more to add, but, um. One thing I really liked about this one was actually the way it looked. I thought it had a really, really good um, it, look to it. it shot it on Super the narrative. It's shot on Super yeah. 16. That is sick. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, huge. That's cool. And it, I mean, it looks that way. <laughs> and even some of it some of it was actually shot on Super 8 as well, which I think might be like the end credit scene. Uh, or not the or the scene during the credit. Sorry. This is not the Avengers. Right. <laughs> but uh, uh, and the film has that gritty. <laughs> the Thanos <fun>. bonus scene. <laughs> I think some of the technical aspects are a little lacking here and there. The sound sometimes has like stock effect, like screams, which is a little bit lame. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never noticed that. But at at the same time, um, uh, at the same time, I just think like what's happening on screen really kind of, you know, it doesn't make me really um, knock the film for things like that, to be completely honest. I think, I think in certain situations I definitely do in other situations I don't, it just kind of depends on, I don't know. It depends on the film, to be honest. Maybe that's a pretentious way to put it, but every now and like right. something like this, where like I'm so concerned about someone being chopped alive, I could care less about the lighting right now. Like I don't know. Like right, uh, yeah. It's it's a uh, it's a really interesting film in that way, and I um I don't know. I, I also have to praise the makeup though. Oh my the makeup's, god! I think that's like one of the best parts about the movie is that oh. it's like so so uncomfortable to watch. Like the movie feels like a paper cut. Absolutely. Yep. Like that's just it. Just feels yeah. like yeah. I just every time I watch this movie, I have this pit in my stomach that I just can't get rid of. It, it still affects me, and that's what I think. That's Academy Award for makeup. This shit looks so yeah. realistic, and it's crazy too because for a film that looks really gritty and kind of not realistic in some ways, 
it has such realism and especially in oh, that yeah. area all the cuts crazy. the cuts and the bruises and stuff like it well, when I she puts like the woman in the bath didn't have that yeah i know that like i think if it didn't have that it would be a really big disservice to this movie i agree if I think- if if you didn't believe the violence because that's a huge part of this you have to believe that violence yeah yeah absolutely totally. it makes it so it's- more impactful and I think- also worth pointing out is uh, Pascal Legere's, uh latest film, Incident in Ghostland. I talked about it on the show last year, right. uh, but that one's worth checking out as well. It's actually one that I think Boozy would like. It's definitely easier to watch than Martyrs, but it seems like a movie that Boozy would be into. I'm it's happy for sort anyone- of like a home invasion slasher film. I'm happy when anyone gives okay. Jessica Biel work. I feel like she it's been a while for her, you know? Who? Jessica Biel. <laughs> she, what? She in Ghostland? I-, I could be wrong. What are you talking I th- about? I think are you talking about Ghostland versus Incident in Ghostland? Are these different things? Yeah, like Incident in Ghostland is completely different. Jessica Biel is not an Incident in Ghostland. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Thank thanks Hold for that, on. Kyle. Hold Crystal on. Reed is in it though. Oh, I'm thinking of the tall man, sorry. Yeah, Jesus Christ, the other Slender Man movie. Oh, but that's also <laughs> Pascal Jouet. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, he did okay. do that too. Well, I forgot. Okay. I forgot he did sorry, that. Sorry, yeah. I wasn't totally out. I have a couple notes as well. If I could just go through, please. Um, I hated at the start. This is this girl wasted a whole ass sandwich for a phone call. It really annoyed me that she just tossed that sandwich because it looked really good. Yeah. That was like at least that was better than a subway. That was definitely a Mr. Sub or Quiznos. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> sure. Yeah, shout out Subway. I, I got more here. Okay. Um, I think the grossest part of this movie that wasn't some of the direct torture is the feeding. Se- like I didn't realize oh, how much yeah. I hate watching people eat being force fed until you hear the like the clacking of the teeth. Like oh, that was. That was really hard to watch because even when you're not seeing extreme torture, you're seeing someone being force fed. Um, and then the other main note I had is they should really wear gloves when they're cleaning up piss. They, they just seemed very okay yeah. with like the sanitation rules here, and I don't like that. This is a pre-COVID it, world, though. Is it necessary? It's, is it necessary like, for me to drink my own urine? <laughs> no, but it's like, sterile, and I do it because I like the taste. They didn't even wear Dodgeball proper reference. PPE. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, see, uh, I have a couple of negatives from the like that. Mo- the things that I didn't notice the first time I watched it is it kind of annoyed me that Anna stayed in the house long enough for more people to return. Yeah, what like, the fuck were they doing? Like, yeah, I don't know. Like she, yeah. well, uh, but the thing, what I justify it as is that she uh, a was helping that other person get out of the basement. And uh, so that I understand to an extent, but also get her the fuck out of there. Um, But the other thing is uh, she is pretty broken up about her, her partner being her partner fucking killing herself there. So I understand that to an extent, but she saw the basement and the basement was obviously not a one man job. (laughs) So it's like, what do you think is going to (laughs) happen? But then the other thing that kind of makes me giggle is that uh, they, how they buried all the bodies by the sewer main. And I was like, yeah, that'll never be dug up again. (laughs) Sewer mains like, Oh I, my god! I, when I was, I was watching that up. scene, oh, I, you knew I, I was going to bring that up. Oh, it was no. yeah, and it's such a fucking heartbreaking scene because you're watching all these characters that you've had some interaction with get fucking thrown like they're trash <laughs> into a hole, and you're fucking thinking about the plumbing of the whole situation. <laughs> oh my god! Well, I was just thinking about it. I was like, come on! I was like, I get that the hole's already dug for you, but come on, you guys, <laughs> like, there's a better place. <sighs> Like there's like six bodies here. There's a couple kids. <laughs> oh man. 
But no, okay. To end off on a good note, I I do really genuinely think I think that this is quintessential viewing when it comes yeah. to horror movies. Yeah. I think this is one that you need if you're a, a genre fan. This is one that you should at least see once. Uh, whether you're gonna like it or not, it's one that you should experience. It's one that you should know is out there because I do think that it's important in the history of horror. I think that it has a, a spot in the genre that is it's gonna be a very long time until it's topped. And it, for doing what it does and it does what it does well totally i think i think especially if you like in the first like 30 minutes of this movie or maybe not 30 maybe like the first like the opening sequence it's like it's honestly a little bit heavy-handed but i think if, yeah. as soon as you get after that like right after that the pacing immediately hits you right in the face and it's yeah. like the film very takes you for a ride in very different ways I'm very happy to hear Boozy didn't hate it because I, I assumed that you were going to love Boozy was going to love the first 45 minutes and then hate it when it turns into a different movie. Cause like, I do think that the whole grief, the meditation on grief, which, you know, is getting a little bit old in horror. Granted, this came out 12 right. years ago um, before people were doing this constantly, but I think it's such a cool idea how they, right. she has that, the, the person following her around the ghoul from oh, I, that yeah. she left behind. But even we when it opens up that. right after the time jump, where it's like, yeah. oh, oh, look at this family, happy-go-lucky, what's going on here? And then you have this kind of like, I don't you know. You kind of question if she just killed an innocent yeah. family for no reason. Exactly. Yeah. And that's was such that a... family happy-go-lucky, though? It seemed like there well, was a... I don't know. I mean, That it's... mom was really fucking roasting that kid. Like, well, and holy... she had a torture chamber in her basement. <laughs> and the way the movie in... presents it initially, it's sort of like, you know, it's not as dire as it ends up being. Right. Uh, the last thing I'll say is this movie has so much rain, and the only thing I could think about it with all the rain is like it was kind of like a like a dark timeline extreme version of that one tattoo music video. All the things she said. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all the things she said. All the things. Yes, preach, brother, preach. Yeah, that's kind of what this movie was for like thirty five minutes. That's a solid kazaa pill. That's a solid kazaa pull. <laughs> yeah, shout out tattoo. I'm actually a huge tattoo fan. Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> Because <laughs> they put out fucking one album in 2002 or something. Don't make me go into it. Don't yeah, all we into. care about is that one song. That all you need is one song can can make you last a million years. Actually, one of the singers from Tattoo featured on an abandoned all ship song. Yeah, shut the fuck up. They're canceled. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> hey boys, do you want to close this up? Yeah, sure. might as well. All right, so we will be back next week, and we'll be talking about, I believe, Kyle's pick. Right, the we'll skin about- I live in. Yeah, Spanish film. And then we'll close off with Boozy's pick, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. So thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next week on The Terror Table. Fuck 12. Fuck 12.